I missed uh, you guys. We, we do have breaking news, though, that we should cover. I know okay. we don't have like an agenda. Uh, breaking yeah. news. Sam Altman is back at OpenAI. Yeah, um, people have been relying. They've been just waiting because we talked that he was out, I think, in our last episode in episode 29, right? Yeah. And they've just been wondering like what, what might yeah. have happened. Are you guys yeah. trolling me? Are we doing something from the past? I thought he's been back for a long time. Uh, yeah, we are trolling. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a theme song. And we have a theme song. Jake now, composed The theme this. song is the real trolling. Yeah. Okay, I can't I do too much more. Yeah, yeah, the, everyone gets the now. joke. Okay, everyone gets the joke. Our theme song's awful. We're not going to use that one. Um, Dear Jason, listener, yes, we're I'm trolling so sorry. You. Sam Altman's yes. been okay. back for a long time. The yes, joke is, is that it's been a long yeah. time since we recorded, and the last time we recorded, I believe we spoke about Sam Altman being out. And so obviously all the listeners yeah. have just been waiting to find out from us if he's back, and he is. Yeah. So you guys were conspiring against me while I was getting my AirPods to actually do the recording tonight. Actually, I didn't run this by no. Andrew at all. That it's was, like uh, when do you remember when Jake explained how conspiracies usually are just two people acting of their own accord and not actually working it out? That's what happened here. Yeah. We didn't work it yeah, out. Yeah, it's it's two people with it's an under unstated understanding yeah. that we were just gonna do it. We didn't mention Sam Altman at all. No. A wink no. is as good as a nod to a blind man, right? Yeah. I don't think I that, and you're the blind man. That's how that works. I don't think that's how that works. That's not the right thing. Yeah. All right, so you'll be canceled. You'll be replaced by the next episode. It's like a common saying, isn't it? No, it's a it common saying, and also yeah. it still took me. I was still like trying to figure out what it means. Like it also just in, doesn't fit with what was happening yeah. there. So no. anyway, guys, hi. Yes, hi. Okay, so this is episode thirty. I, I think I usually did the introductions. I'll do it quickly. Uh, today's yeah. January eleventh, twenty twenty four. You have not missed any episodes if you've been waiting. It's been like a month, but I think we're going mean, to get back to sort of a. Right, you might have. Yeah. Um, you, you may have missed us, but you didn't miss any of us that, i wouldn't count on that <laughs> okay um i think we'll get back to regular recording we we hope uh, more or less now that the holiday season is behind us uh so this is january 11th it's episode 30 aspiring minds three lawyer friends goofing around own enjoyment own enjoyment own enjoyment enjoy wow enjoy you, oh, this you is just going tried really to fix badly. it and it got and it continued suddenly it turned into a law podcast and you're talking about enjoyment. enjoying things own enjoyment and nothing I say should be taken as legal advice. Thank you. I'm Andrew Leahy. I'm one of those friends. The other two people are the people making fun of me. Uh, I'm trying to think of who made fun of me more. Jason. Jason. Jason Probably definitely. Me. Yeah, it was I, definitely yeah. Jason. I'm Jason. I am a plaintiff side employment litigator, primarily in Indiana. I touch some other states every once in a while with the litigations. Uh, but that's me. That's what I do. I live in Indianapolis. I am a Colts fan recovering from the Sad, sad elimination of the Colts from the playoffs. But I'm very glad that the Jaguars were also eliminated. So, because <laughs> the because the Jaguars always seem to beat you randomly at the end of the season. Is that? I don't know is about that. that. I don't know okay. if that's consistent with my experience. It's like in the AFC South, who do you despise the most as a Colts fan? And like, is it the Titans? Eh, not really. Like, they're just never very good. Is it the Texans? Yeah, kind of a lot of the time. Uh, but really like Jacksonville is like, yeah, they're the easiest to hate. They used to beat the Colts all the time when Maurice Jones drew was playing for him. Yeah. It was just miserable to watch that guy run on our terrible run defense for years and years. Plus Jacksonville sucks as a city yeah. or just as a team. I don't know. Most of what I know about Jacksonville, I learned from the good place. I was going to uh, say that's, a, you know, <laughs> yeah. And like, but- yeah, it, so everything I know about Jacksonville, I learned from Jason Mendoza on The Good Place, which is an excellent show if we're skipping straight to recommendations, but we're not. I, I was surprised that Jacksonville has like rivalries because they've been bad for so long. They've been bad for what, like 
13 years or something or more than their that. entire existence basically that's uh, quietly an I mean, incredible what they had <laughs> they had some good years with mark brunel is that right uh and then uh, like a be. fluke a fluke that is like in the late 90s early 2000s and then they had a fluke one or two good years with blake bortles where they uh <laughs> bortles that was very funny like and then they of course built that into the good place where they were like you've you've messed with the you messed with the timeline and now yeah, the right. Jags are good. Oh, uh, and then they went back to being bad. And I don't know anything about football, fine. so all I can be is a stats nerd. It looks like they were ten and six in twenty seventeen. That seems yeah. good. Is that yeah, that good? was the fluke year. Oh, okay. Was, I'm sorry. Yeah. That was, and then the, 07, that was the weird one. They were pretty good. Oh, and seven? Yeah. Yeah. Five and seven. That's how far you have to go back. Uh it otherwise is, not good. Is no. there a team 17. that is uni- well seventeen, not yeah, 07. but seventeen. Yeah. Um, is there a team? I don't know anything about football. Is there a team that is universally despised by every fan from every other team? Is it the Patriots? Patriots the Cow- in the way the, the, the Yankees are. Okay, yeah. I was going to yeah, say the Cowboys are despised by everybody who's not a Cowboys fan. Mm. I I think it it was more the Cowboys in the nineties, maybe early two thousands, and now less so. Um, yeah, Jerry Jones is pretty despised. The Cowboys owner. he's he's despicable. Yeah. Well, this has been not, football talk with uh, yeah. <laughs> two guys from, from Florida or whatever. Um, Jake, you didn't <laughs> introduce yourself. Jason's not from Florida. Not yeah, even whatever. connected to Florida. You're down there. Uh, uh, he's a, yeah, he's yeah, he's down. Well, not even anymore. No, not, not anymore, really. yeah. Now he's over. I appeared uh, in Florida. I was in Florida in November. There you go. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah. We, we cooked his fun. brain a little bit. We gave his brain a little bit of a cooking. It uh, uh, has a kind of a Florida glow. A little bit insulting him, like wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Is that an insult? No, I don't I'm know. Florida kidding. glow. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's too bad. I, the glow that you're seeing is just my crappy webcam. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Uh, Unrelated. Uh, I, I'm Jake, by the way. Uh, yes. Oh yeah. We're um, still doing introductions, and we better. Well, I hope we're recording because I invested thirty dollars into a mic stand for my new desk, <laughs> and so uh, I hope that doesn't go to waste. Otherwise, you know. I, maybe I'll soothe some some judges and opposing counsels with some very nice audio quality, as opposed to the normal difference. thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. It but might make sense since it lights up, though. That yeah, seems a little like you're playing a game while you're talking to opposing counsel. Well, right. y'all see my my light up mic right now, but on the Zoom non HD, which is good. Me right. not being in HD is generally good for me. I did uh, the same thing. I clicked the, that off immediately. Yeah. Click it off. It doesn't yeah. show the mic anymore because it has a more limited field of view oh, for whatever reason. So, okay. So you just see, you just see me in my giant headphones, which might be okay. These okay. don't. These aren't obviously gamery. So right, right. No, no. The, I, yeah, without I the thing in front. Yeah, you, know? you don't have the little the Tony Robbins microphone in front of your yeah. face. That's that's good. This is why uh, this is why professional podcasters don't use video, and we do yeah. use videos because you get that really rich uh, comment on what things look like while you're yeah. listening to us in an audio format with no video, so you can't see what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're right. We should move on. Let's move forward with with our. Uh, we have no agenda. We're going to try to yeah. lay out the agenda. We'll figure live. it out. Yeah. yeah. I got rant, I new. got rants in my in my. Uh, in the hopper if needed and then you know but we that's the stalking horse is that jake wants to talk about chess so yeah if if jason and i can't scramble to come up with something <laughs> to talk about and there's too much dead air he will uh jake will just begin opining on on chess drama and stuff and so you know we have to try to uh, i'm filibustering yeah. right now hoping jason is is coming up with something to say 
Yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, we've got a couple of potential items in here uh, that seem a little bit interesting. And what I want somebody to tell me about, because I haven't been following this at all, uh, the Winston Strawn copyright suit. Can somebody tell me what's going on with that? Yeah, I don't think it's the first one. Um, but yeah, uh, Winston and Strawn allegedly uh, copied a sixth lawyer group in Boston. Uh, just taking taking briefs like just copy and pasting like briefs right um and complaints and legal theories from the from the complaint and it's not like there there isn't any real dispute as to whether or not it was actually stolen because it was definitely because it was definitely stolen like they yeah. stole a bunch of it was word for word yeah yeah it was all whole cloth and and andrew you can correct me if i get any of this wrong but like they were just like yeah you still you stole our work product and therefore you know, violating our copyright or whatever. Um, but it's, you know, it's just an interesting thing to think about, which is, I don't think this is like, I don't think you can have a copyright over something that you have, um, after, uh, something that you filed in a court of law yeah. as like a brief or a motion or something like, Wouldn't I don't that think be public legally, domain de facto, like by, yeah. by being open to like, the public domain in the not in little P little D sense. Wouldn't it be public yeah. domain? But, and also, you're theoretically not really. So there's so much creativity that goes into legal writing, but theoretically, everything you're writing is supposed to have legal significance. And right. so, like, it's not really expressive because you're somewhat supposed to be put into a a path, right? You're right. doing the best to arrive to the correct point of law. This is in theory, though. Obviously, there's so much artistry that goes into like good writing. Uh, yeah, especially I'm trying to think, briefs. Have you ever heard? I, 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 obviously, none of us are copyright attorneys, but I know there is a uh, uh, functional writings are not. I'm remembering that from IP class the, are not the government edict doctrine. Is that what you're talking about? Maybe I, I thought like a functional doc, like can a uh, like a VCR manual be copywritten? Oh, I guess yeah. it can be. It can it. Oh, oh, I don't think I don't, I don't think, think it can. can copy it. Doesn't that sound familiar? I think there's right? a copyright. I think there is a copyright for a VCR manual. I oh, might be wrong okay. about that. Well, then maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Well, a- anyway, the the quote that I wanted to pull out from the, I mean, you, you this was your story, but I when I read it, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, this uh, it was a Reuters article that uh, this guy's name is Engstrom. He's a legal ethics expert. Freeman Engstrom. He's a yeah. Stanford law professor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nora Freeman Engstrom. She is a uh, uh, Stanford law professor. Um, she says in, in litigation, efficiency and judicial economy are of greater importance. And so it would be mm-hmm. wasteful to write every court document from scratch. And I think that's a yeah. pretty good argument, right? Like sure. it, the and most efficient way to do it would be to just copy it verbatim. Yeah. I think practically, like that's how lawyers work. Like I don't right. know ever, any lawyer that has the ability to copy and paste a document will do so. And usually tries to find a copy and paste document if they're doing something that isn't very unique to their situation. I Absolutely. like was planning on... I'm planning on getting on my former PD nine alumni group to ask for something soon. And right. like, you know, be like anybody, does anybody have a copy of one of these that they can give to me? And the, and that happens all the time. And we give it to each other. Cause like, like there isn't a benefit to having a copyright to a legal document. Really? Um, I don't even know if you can right. ethically charge. I'm trying to think, could you even ethically charge for, for to license a form? Oh. I mean, no, I, guess really I guess Alexis like does. does. Yeah, Alexis and Westlaw yeah. do that through practical practica, practical guidance and all that. Yeah, yeah. I think so you I guess, sell a though form, they're also right? not lawyers. So uh, yeah, but like a as lot a of lawyer, them are lawyers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Legal. Yeah, and a lot, the ones a lot that write are... those tend to be lawyers. So yeah, yeah, or they're at least could, JDs. But, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I was just thinking like, it's not a, you know, what's the, it's not legal practice. So it's, that's not governed by the legal rules of ethics, I guess is an idea. Um, right. I mean, and so you, you know this as well, but like there are entire areas, forget about like all of transactional law is yeah. copying and pasting, right? To a large degree, because it would be yeah. potentially malpractice not to, to, to go in right. and go, you know, here's yeah. a form dealing yes. for the same issue from before. And it, you know, held up and it's been tested for the last 25 years. Now I'm going to rewrite this whole thing. Yeah. That would be insane. Right. And then even in, in, uh, I don't know if you want to call it litigation, but I'm thinking of like public finance. That's all of the practice of public finance is just rinse and repeat. This has worked before you do it again. And you, it it would be, it would be incredibly inefficient to on the, on the person drafting and then on the person reviewing it. Yeah. It just, and think about even and like, my, what, why do you redline a document other than uh, uh, to, to check for these sorts of, you know what I mean? To, to, to yeah. run it against another precedent. And uh, I think this might get back to what you were saying about functional writings. Like, you're the form that you file. What, like, what's the name of that? Um, what's the name of that document that, that corporations file before they do an IPO? It's like an S1 or something. S1, yeah. Uh, and it's like hundreds of pages, pages long. Like you right. can't have a copyright over that because everybody's supposed to read it. Um, right. And you're writing that as like the legal, because you legally have to, in order to put this thing on the market, even if it might be persuasive and all that. Um, right. I feel like you should not have copyright to it, even if you do like, because for that reason, everybody should be reading it. Um, there's no benefit to you being able to sell it because there's no, like why you should like what is the purpose for having yeah. you're not you don't care about protecting IP. it from yeah. other people other people making copies because it's right. not written to make money and that's the purpose of giving copyrights out right is to incentivize people to do things so and the analogy not... the analogy that you're making here is because that s1 form or whatever it actually is uh, you guys are probably right that's it is the analogy that you file that s1 with a government agency and when you file a legal pleading, you're filing the same thing with a government yeah. agency, the courts. And so, like, why should you have the right to prevent somebody from copying that for some commercial yeah. value, especially because it's openly publicly available? And like, this is like buying a, the Penguin, uh, what is it, Penguin Press version of A Tale of Two Cities that's been right. out of the, it's been public domain for like a century maybe right uh mm. so do you buy the penguin one or do you you know download the pdf of it and print it off of your printer like is the 290 would you rather have the 299 or would you rather have the like, is that bound. what's going on is that what's going well, on here like there's there's uh, no real there value. Is at least fiction like there's value in the original creation right like they are but like what we're talking about is something that's the same thing let's say it's all copyrighted like what is the value for commercial exploitation of this thing that i can go with a little bit of savvy and find on the internet yeah. uh or right. somebody else can sell to me for 2.99 because hey look i did the printing for you like penguin press does with the tale of two cities like is that what we're talking about here and it's different because the exploitation of that let's say copyrighted or uncopyrighted doesn't really matter but let's say exploitation of that work by this one law firm who's copying and pasting another law firm's work that's got like pretty significant commercial value because you better believe that they're going to send a big fat bill to the clients for that you know scare quotes work that they did 
But isn't that a reflection of the work they did rather than the work itself? Like that is the thinking they did reduced to a writing, right? And it, there's not like a ostensibly there's not a creative element to it. It is a reflection of reality of this whole treatment of the yeah. law as being a hard science rather than being, you know, more akin to interpreting a tale of two cities than uh, physics, right? Is that th- th- that's the argument I think they would make is that this is just a reduction of this is a reducing to writing of all the work they did. And so we're not selling you the brief. We build you for writing the brief because it needs to be fu- or whatever. Right. But we're not selling it to the client. So there is yeah. no value to it, I, I guess. No, I mm. like thinking, thinking that through like uh, some things are copyrightable and are just aren't creative valueless They're but they're very valuable. Like like maps and guides and stuff like that just like l- yellow pages uh mm. like that are probably copyrightable because they generate value by existing even if it's theoretically not uh even if it's theoretically not creative um i think the the government part like there are things you can submit to the government that retain their copyright like if you submit a uh, a book for some kind of approval of some kind like you still and yeah. you wrote the book and you want to keep the copyright for the book. You can probably keep that copyright. But yeah, that's you're submitting that. But it's not that you didn't write the book for the government to get approval from the government for something. Uh, or right. maybe you did. And then it's and then I don't think it should be copyrightable. And by the way, I'm just I'm not a copyright lawyer. I'm just right. talking about what I think should and shouldn't be and why the rules are where they well, are. That's an interesting question. So like, I don't, again, I'm not, this is, you know, somebody's going to listen to this and they're pulling their hair yeah. out, but let's imagine that Carl somehow. Carl so mad at us right now. Yeah. Oh, Carl man, he's, he's not, he's not listening. listening anyway. He gave yeah. us that one rating on iTunes and then he just, he, he left. Yeah. Um, so let's say somehow a book becomes like an appendix to some sort of filing that would wind up on Edgar so that the entirety of that book is public. Like it is available. It's pub- posted on you know, yeah. SEC Edgar. You can see it. Would the holder of the copyright for that book not continue to hold the copyright? Like, w- would I be free to yeah. take that those words and now like uh, uh, run off a penguin uh, version and sell it? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. So it's like, not it's, just by I virtue think that's of it a, being available. Like, so Edgar, uh, who runs Edgar? Sorry, the SEC. The SEC. Uh, but Edgar's a like, stupid example. A, like, it could just be anything that yeah. where it becomes a pu- part of the the public record, basically. There was recently a Supreme Court case about whether or not uh, states have sovereign immunity against copyright law. And I think the answer yeah. is yes, because yeah. they just because like one of the states I know, I know you love sovereign immunity, Jason. That's um, irony. I hate I think sovereign it was, immunity. He, he hates it. I think it was like South Carolina just like put a guy's diving video on their website like for like um, it was like a, a guy dove in a bay and took video of it. And then right. they just took it and put it on the website. Like come to South Carolina, like tourism type. Yeah, I think junk? so. Okay. Um, it's sovereign. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Y'all get to listen to me. Bing this. Um, <laughs> bing uh, this. Immunity, oh boy. Copyright. Is that what we're calling it? Um, sovereign immunity for yeah. people who aren't lawyers, which actually yeah. could be some people listening. It's just the idea that you can't sue the government right. for and, in and some for some in some instances for some things. Yeah, like the you cannot sue the government unless the government has said you can sue them for it. Right. And yeah, the the March 23, 2020, the uh Supreme Court said that you can't sue governments for violating copyright. And so, wow. Okay. Cool. Hey, that's why they can put it on Edgar. But that doesn't mean that they can't sue the private person that makes a copy off of that, right? Right. Because you still like, retain your copyright. 
it doesn't right. yeah it doesn't yeah there, there you go that's it that's exactly it right it doesn't destroy the copyright so like take that yeah. video the example you just gave if i go find that on the south carolina website take it off and put it on the aspiring minds youtube page and i make that our whole thing they could still mm -hmm. send a dmca takedown notice and get it taken down because the holder they being the original holder of the copyright of the video they still hold the copyright it doesn't just become public domain because of a, a, a unilateral because of publication by, right by, by publication or or even by infringing inf publication infringement. yeah yeah exactly yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Okay. All right, we got to the yeah. bottom of that. Yeah. So we figured it out. <laughs> I mean, here's, a, here's the thing. IP lawyers. Like, okay, if if I write a paper, an essay, a, uh, a novel, I write a short story, I write uh, an opinion column that I ship out to every newspaper because I'm mad at my homeowners association. I, I'm not. My homeowner, homeowners association is fine. But I write that. I immediately have a copyright on it. It attaches at the time that I commit it to uh, some sort of medium. A fixed medium. Uh, and as long as you mail it to yourself. Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I, I know that too. <laughs> yeah, that's a joke. I'm, that is not serious. Oh, that, that's a stupid I, I did that once though. Did you really? Yeah. But like the whole point is you don't open it, right? So that you... This, I think it, so. I don't know. That's, that's the point is you mail it to yourself so that you don't open it. So that you, if you ever have a deal, you ever need to prove when you wrote it, you have the postmark in a sealed envelope. That was the point. As though a tea kettle yep. can't make a sealed envelope no longer yeah. sealed, right? This is this yeah. is an airtight thing. I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah, this is your, you know, this is a theor theoretical scenario right. in which you care enough to get forensics on this freaking envelope, <laughs> right? Whatever yeah. you wrote in this stupid thing. Okay, so. Ordinarily, you write something; it's copyrighted. You don't have to jump through any special hoops unless right. you, uh, unless it's specific, like enforcement-related things, like mailing it to yourself, so that you can prove and verify the date when you, before which you wrote it. Uh, right. So, uh, why should legal filings be any different than other things that I sit down and I write in a notebook or I type out on a computer? Why should legal filings be any different? And the quickest, easiest answer is because of the, uh, well, maybe used to, uh, maybe the value that we used to place in precedent uh, before this particular Supreme Court kind of just said that we don't care about precedent anymore. But law for centuries has been hyper concerned with precedent, what has happened before, what has come before. And it is compulsory, practically, to cite to, to quote and refer to prior precedent and to case law when you're making your arguments in front of courts on certain things. And so like I literally lift from a uh, court opinion my uh, statement of the summary judgment standard under Indiana mm. law. I, and so like I'm compelled to copyright or I'm compelled to copy something like that. Uh, now, yeah, that's a little bit different because that's an opinion governed by right. a judge who's a government yeah. employee, and like, there's copyright doesn't really attach to that. But, but I take your point. It, it, like, it, it builds out from that, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's say, let's say there's this great case that was in Indiana for 20, in 2014 that's related to non-competes, Clark Sales and Service versus Smith and Ferguson. Uh, and uh, uh, in that case, they wrote some really smart things and made great arguments and got this great result at the Indiana Court of Appeals. Like, heck yeah, I want to copy the arguments that they made there because they were good and winning arguments that get converted into a different type of text in the legal opinion. But if my goal is to persuade the judge, like the judge was persuaded in that case, then 
I want to look at the opinion, yes, to see why the judge said that was persuasive. But I also want to look at what the person wrote yeah. so that I can persuade yeah. like that person. Yeah. Now, that is should that be copyrightable? Shouldn't it? I don't know. We place a lot of value on copying people intentionally, purposefully in the law and in legal writing and especially litigation writing. Uh, and, you know, I guess transactional writing too. Should any of it be copyrightable? I, I tend to think that the answer should be no. And the problem mm. here shouldn't be a technical legal problem with the copyright infringement. It should be an ethical problem where you're stealing. Where you're right, stealing but, this yeah, and, you're not, like, and you're not thinking for yourself. And yeah. you're, you're, what are the odds it actually cutting applies? and pasting without attribution. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing is that Blue Book doesn't have, as far as I know, it doesn't have like a citation form for I jacked all this persuasive writing from somebody else. There's yeah. no to like be clear. The blue book is uh, for anybody who's <laughs> listening who's not a lawyer who doesn't remember law school. Blue book is the citation guideline that you would follow, like when you were doing a an APA guideline or what's the other one yeah. that you do in high school? MLA. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that for lawyers. Yeah. yeah. It's but awful. It's like, way worse. You know, it's it like like the APA, like Chicago style, whatever. Oh yeah, Chicago um, style. There's always one kid in the English class that would try. Can I do Chicago style? Why? My, Why you're in community my, college? Why do you have a specific legal, style you want to do? Yeah, my my legal uh, my legal journal uh, uh, did Chicago style. Um, really? But anyway, like there's no. It all presumes that you wrote the thing, that you wrote the creative aspect of the thing. Uh, there's no citation form for I copied from this person, right. even though that's understood that like. I would say of the of the thing of the filings I get in a average litigation, there is maybe one or two which is completely new. In most cases, I never see a single unique filing, never. Right. Um, and it's and writing something persuasively is just so rare. Maybe there's like a sentence or two. So rare yeah. is the wrong wrong word. Like uh, writing something new that's persuasive. If you're not doing appellate work, appellate work, you got to write it new every time. Um, if you're dealing with the summary judgment case, uh, a case where there's a lot, there's a potential summary judgment, and it's not like a standard form summary judgment, which so much of our litigation is standard. Um, like it's just not that common. Uh, right. So I mean, it's it like, should only be when you have a unique situation, right? Like, basically, yeah. I mean, that's what you're saying, right? Since the writing should reflect the realities of what you're writing about, it only should be where there truly is no precedent for this that you're writing anew. Otherwise, you should be using what worked before. But or it's especially fact sensitive where you right. need to make specific right. factual allegations that obviously maybe there's some crossover between one case and another, but you're not going to be able to copy them whole cloth. Yeah. So and here's the, and the point that I was I was saying is that basically there I feel like there should be a way of saying I've copied this this persuasive part of my legal reasoning from some other from a, some other lawyer just because mm. it would be nice for the lawyers to get some kind of recognition when they write something that's particularly persuasive. Mm -hmm. Oh, I get that. Yeah, just the same way a but, case could be cited. It would be yeah. the here's the the plaintiff's uh, uh, filing on in this particular case. I I, I use this. Here's a whole yeah. quote from that, and then yeah. Google Scholar would show up. You know, cited fifty five times or something, and you would know. I'm, I guess you theoretically you could you could do it through a block quote. Uh, like imagine you have a yeah. trial court order. Um, you have a trial court order that grants or an appellate opinion from a 
persuasive district or a persuasive a persuasive right. appellate opinion. It's not binding, you, is what you that cite means. that. Yeah, as opposed to a binding opinion, you you cite that opinion holding in your favor, and then you si- say, "Here's what the you know, as explained in the br- in the pr- uh, prevailing brief, blah blah blah." And then you say right. the name of the lawyer. So I guess yeah. there is a way to do it, but it just looks silly. <laughs> I feel like I may have seen not maybe the block quote thing, but I've definitely seen like. Yeah, the plaintiff's brief cited to or something like the yeah. argument. That I, I think you said it before, right? The argument they made here was this. And so little quote. But so here's yeah. the question. Here's the, the wrinkle, I think. So then we talked about Lexus and Westlaw, right? Yeah. Say they create forms for people to use. Yeah. Can mm-hmm. they copyright that? They're not filing yeah. that. And if they can. Yeah. They, yeah. Well, I bet well, you. What happens I, now? I, but, I intensely believe that they would say, yes, these yes. are copyrighted works because they be. say them. I think on they them are. Because, right. Yeah. yeah. I think and, they are and, because they are not filed, because they are nonspecific and therefore not not functional yet. Yeah, so they are that for you? the filing. You're trying to say that, uh, you, and I'm not saying that you genuinely believe this opinion, but the position that you're taking there <laughs> is that by filing it, essentially what you're doing is giving an unlimited license to people to use that that's work for yeah for whatever purpose. And I'm not sure that that's no. the case because when I file something in a case. I don't think that I'm giving somebody, I don't think I'm giving you the license to then copy pasta my brief and, yeah. uh, you know, use it for whatever purpose you want. I'm making a communication to the court. It's a, it's not an unreasonable position for you to take though, either, because like yeah. you said this thing publicly, uh, you know, what would happen if I tried to then transcribe and print in a newspaper? Your and maybe this is diving into a new territory. But what if I transcribe and print in a newspaper that speech that you gave in your closing argument? Like, is that copyright infringement? You yeah. didn't fix it to a medium, so it's not. But well, I think yeah, that's. Uh, well, I thought you were. Agree- I thought you agreed with me. Are you reversing on me? I thought you agreed with me that none that a pleading is not copyrightable. That a no, motion I think that, filed I think, is not I think copyrightable. They should- I think they should not be copyrightable at all, okay. but not because of the filing, because well, of what they are. Well, so then why does Lexus and Westlaw get to have a copyright? Because it's they're creating it. It's a creative work, and it's not for purposes of being filed. It's for because purposes they have of a being lot of sold. money. Oh, okay. They have a lot of money. They'll <laughs> outspend you in litigation. And because they have a strong lobby in D.C. and at, in every state, that's mm. why. Yeah. But I, th- I think the... Filing might not be the right like concentration, but the second that it became that it was submitted to the court as part that's of filing. a persuasive element. Yeah, so that's why I said filing. But the uh the the point isn't that it entered a court file. That wasn't the the point isn't that like, oh, because the government possesses it now, it it loses its copyright. The point being that it switched to a functional document that was put forth as part of a, you know. Uh, as part of an actual mechanism of justice. Yeah. And so it, you as a lawyer are an officer of the court, theoretically, uh, and you are actually engaging part of the uh, immune system that is the justice system every time you're doing something as a lawyer. And so okay. as opposed to if you are a writing a form with blanks and stuff, you are providing a service for the lawyer to use. And so it's not functional yet. I mean, it's it's helping lawyers when it's a form sitting on Lexus uh, practical guidance or whatever it is. What uh, if you are a lawyer and you write a do- something but don't file it, and I steal from that? Is it the is I, it the fact that I it think that is public? copyright infringement? Yeah, 
Is that it? one's much that one's much clearer. Yeah. Because you you haven't I, and I'm starting to come around on this, Jake, to the act of filing it is giving a license to people to use it for at least a similar purpose. Yeah. And if, if, I think I if, see that. Oh yeah. That's a, yeah, that's an interesting question. What if somebody took your story from your brief and just copied it into a for-profit novel? Like yeah. that's, you know, yeah. 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 Like adapted it into a story. It gets movie rights. It gets the whole thing. And now you're saying like, that's yeah. the, the, the little that's typo I wrote in my that's the <laughs> I argument that. I made, right. For some, for a slip and fall in a, in a supermarket or whatever, yeah. <laughs> that compelling, incredibly compelling story that you then yeah. turned into this big, you know, blockbuster or whatever. I, I mean, mean, I think this is, it comes around to like, I, I, I've been saying this in class a lot. It comes around to like, yeah, maybe that like it, it, it's the answer is it depends, right? It's like, yeah, okay, you make a compelling enough argument and then yeah, sure, that that would be copyrightable and it is copyright infringement. Okay. And why the underlying why is going to be back solved from the result that is wanted, basically, right? In that situation where that literal thing happened, you write this really compelling uh, uh, thing that gets filed and it gets mm-hmm. taken and, and makes a gazillion dollars. Yeah, you'll probably be able to get some sort of copyright infringement claim against the person that did it. Why? Because whatever argument they'll come up with, uh, the judge will come up with to to decide that <laughs> that's how it should be. I, right? and, I well, if we if man, but it might be just that. Uh, but it might be just that categorical, which is you know, it's not copyrightable the second you put it on the the second you file it, which is what I I had said earlier. But maybe I'm coming down off that. I, we're we're we're, <laughs> so we're swapping positions here, here. right? When we're you, workshopping when, policy, okay. When you file uh, something, it's a limited it license. A license. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. And then, you know, lawyers are like, uh, what is it? Is it, is it absolute immunity? No. The litigation privilege where you can't oh. be sued for things that you, that you say in the course of litigation. Yeah. Oh, that I think that's, uh, uh, that's like the defense to defamation. Yeah. 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 Because the- you can say like, you cannot be sued. If you say right, something right, mean right. about the other side in a court filing, you can't be sued. You can be sanctioned in that court. But you can't then be sued for definition. Well, just imagine like a criminal proceeding where you say that the defendant did the thing, but then they're found not guilty, right? Yeah. And the first thing they do is like, and you in in, in a public court said that I was the murderer. (laughs) You know what I mean? A lot of people heard that. Well, then that's, you know, prosecutors get absolute immunity too. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. So we're well, so whose side are we on with this Winston and Strawn then? We think oh, that the little know, the little boutique. <laughs> well, that was the original. <laughs> That's the whole reason we we're talking about this. Yeah, if he like, uh, yeah, I think that I don't have a problem with litigators stealing from in the, with the same situation, taking motions or briefs and copying them in the same yeah. situation. Though it would yeah. be nice to give some credit, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. I am. Uh, I, it pains me to to be in favor of the big 850 lawyer Winston and Strawn. Yeah. But I think I am. And I'm I'm thinking about that I I haven't looked at the actual motions, the actual filings here, but I think about I've been involved occasionally in a couple of cases where I'm uh, defending somebody from a debt collection or something like that. And those summary judgment motions, like heck yeah, I would uh, copy and paste something yeah. from one of these firms because these are not creative. They are rote repetition of this these same particular things over and over. And if they do it well, like of course I want to copy that filing, which is different than copying an opinion. Uh, but of course right. I want to copy that. Yeah, 
I don't know what they actually took here. I have reason to suspect that it is considerably more uh, special than yes. what was what I was just describing in like a debt collection summary judgment filing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was actually really complicated. I remember. I don't think it was this article, but I remember reading an article and being like, "Oh, that that like sounds really heavy duty." The 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 legwork they did to figure this thing out. Um, well, yeah, and they were patent infringement cases. It looks like. Yeah, and so I was like, "Oh, that's that, that's much more serious than you stole this two page summary judgment motion, which you know is like a name and date swap for every other time this has happened." Yeah. Um, right. And I mean, maybe that's the, the the sort of final net that can catch the most egregious examples. And I think I think it was you that Jake Jake that said it before. Is so then that lawyer might get slapped on the wrist for overbilling or for malpractice because yeah. this doesn't actually convey the what needs to be conveyed in these specific particular facts, right? Like you copying and pasting is is malpractice. This this is not the same situation. This is a very complicated situation, and the odds that there are some other huge blocks of paragraphs of text out there. Uh, even you know with a, with a million monkeys at a million typewriters, um, the odds that there's something out there that is one to one useful are pretty slim. And so there's another whole way for yeah. you to be sanctioned by the court for doing it, right? That is definitely true. Yeah, I think I'm down on the side of if you are filing it with the court, you shouldn't you shouldn't have any reasonable expectation that you are uh, that you hold a copyright to that that is. Uh, no, you might still hold the copyright to it. I think there's an implied license <laughs> given by the filing. Yeah, yeah. I implied, mean, I, well, uh, implied license to other people in my other chill lawyers. Only cool lawyers can copy yeah. my stuff. <laughs> yeah, no bozos. No bozos uh, yeah. allowed. Yeah. Um, I, also, I think like, isn't there room for shame to just be enough? Like, this is an embarrassing story. Like, this is not. Oh, yeah. You don't want to be the, the uh, Winston yeah. Strawn, right? So I, maybe, maybe that's you enough. wear that on your badge. You're like, we're so efficient for our client. We Look spent at all the five hours value. on this complaint when they spent like 500 hours. We <laughs> right. saved you thousands and thousands of dollars. But isn't that a little bit like uh, a hospital saying you should come have surgery done here because we don't pay our surgeons? Like we have them do it and then we just never pay them. Like it, Only if it's a little... cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. It's yeah, more, well, it's, mm. I mean, it's more like, no, because it's more like uh, all these, um, it's more like all these media companies bragging about how they use AI. It's like yeah. to some people okay. that sounds that sounds awful. Like the right. readers, probably it sounds awful. But if your uh, but if your uh, audience is shareholders, which I guess clients are, clients are like a mix of both, then uh, yeah. maybe you hear something really good because the clients don't want the good quality, but they also don't want to have to pay for it. So you know, right? Okay. All right, so we're we're doing we're doing a, like a live uh, agenda thing here. I think we have time for probably one more smaller story. Did you guys have anything sure. that was particularly interesting? You know, Jake does legal. Uh, does well, it, I does mean, it have to be legal? No, I don't actually to want to talk. I just want to, like. It's just so funny how much chess stuff there was. Lay it on me, brother. <laughs> Tell me about the chess it, drama. I want to know the chess. I'll, drama. I'll just give you the the two minute version of everything that happened. And earlier in the month, Hikaru Nakamura one of the best American players of chess was accused of cheating by an old grandmaster just because of how good he was. And the old grandmaster Vladimir Kramnik, very, po very popular, very well known, would not shut up about it and kept posting about it on his chess.com blog until he got banned from chess.com. 
And so this is such low, such low level drama, but he just would not, he would not stop talking about it. Just okay, accusing so him of cheating. Yeah. Over and over again. Okay. Accusing him of cheating, saying that his results were interesting. It's very interesting. But also he was like, yeah, he's cheating. Okay. Um, uh, and that does there's not no reason sound... to actually think he's cheating. That does not uh, sound nearly as exciting or interesting as the uh, stuff Bluetooth device in your butt cheating that was going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that that was fake. That that oh, was that a was, joke. That oh. wasn't real. No. So, oh. well, the the cheating implication was real in that case, but the whole thing about the 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 Devices. way that he was cheating that was right. in the news was made a joke made up on, I think it was a- the Anarchy Chess subreddit. Mm. Um, and then people started thinking that it was a real accusation. I but started thinking was it was real. Chess. Yeah, I thought it was real. Yeah. What's Anarchy Chess? There's no rules? There's no hierarchy? All the, the pieces the, move in the same it's direction? It's the Joke Chess subreddit. It's oh, okay. A, yeah, there's no okay. real Anarchy Chess game. Okay. okay. Um, it's the joke, joke subreddit. I, I yeah. want to play okay. that chess. That sounds fun. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then uh, Daniel Dubov, Jan Nepomnici, two very popular best chess players in the world, uh, agreed to the results of a match ahead of time that they were going to draw a match and then did it and got forfeited. And this is in uh, uh, one of the big tournaments, uh, FIDE Grand Prix. Why would they do Uh, that? They did that because they wanted to take a break. They wanted a break from thinking. So instead of playing a four-hour game, they played like five dancing night moves and then agreed to a draw um this seems like a big scandal and this was a big scandal partially because other people have done this almost this exact same thing and did not get forfeited their match we're not punished at all Um, did they copyright the moves they did such that uh, (laughs) them can you copyright chess moves can you You copyright uh, that's actually really clear uh and because of that like anytime there's a tournament Every single chess site will have coverage of it because you can just watch a board that you make up, and the the difference. Oh, gotcha. Like to license the chess tournament is to actually license the video of the people playing in the hall. Gotcha. Okay, uh, just like licensing a baseball game or something, but the the yeah. that little fake version you can do. Okay. Yeah, it's like when you go on ESPN and watch the score, like watch the visual baseball thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, I'll man, <laughs> it's just so it's so silly. You have, everything you have a couple of you have a couple of things in the notes here, and one of the things that I the thing that sticks out to me probably because you misspelled it and uh, put it at two, put two words in as one word dress code yeah. Kazarian dress code. I yeah. want to know what that's about. Tell me what that's about yeah. because I'm assuming uh, and probably I'm appropriately dressed in my feminist sweatshirt here. Yeah. Uh, that it, it's just a sweatshirt that literally says feminist on it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm suspecting that this is uh, a sexist attack on somebody. But tell me, set me right, Jake. I, arguably, let's see. Anamaya Kazarian, I don't know whether I'm saying her name right or whether or not I got her first name right. I think her name is Anamaya Kazarian. We should have guessed that anything involving a dress code was going to be something coming down on a woman. Yeah, uh, that yeah. should have been, yeah. I mean, I think history is pretty clear about that. Yeah. So she uh, she was at, at this same uh, I wait is it the FIDE World Cup the same thing where the match fixing happened right okay. uh, she was playing in that she's a she's I believe an international master and she's a she's a chess streamer um, she got handed a note in her third round saying 
or around, I think it was the third round saying your shoes are out of dress code. You need to change them immediately or you're going to get fined. And then if you don't change them, uh, you're going to get kicked out of the tournament. Uh, her shoes, her, her shoes were very fancy, like, like kind of sketchers looking shoes, but they were like designer sketcher looking shoes. Um, Sketchers are pretty ugly, so you're going to have to convince me here. No, I mean, uh, these are these are like stylish looking sneakers. Yeah. Uh, okay. With like, uh, what's the, like the, pl- you're looking the, at them? Yeah, I'm looking oh, at them right yeah, now. Yeah. I pulled them up here. Uh, they look like they've like got Santa's. kind of that, Bur- that Burberry sort of uh, plaid checked pattern on part of it. And yeah, like it's stylistically interesting. I probably wouldn't wear them, but also they're probably not made for me. Uh, yeah. So like not formal but not super inappropriate not like well and you know maybe if they were consistent on like you know you need like dress shoes for this then it would be one thing but other like there were guys walking around in sneakers and hoodies like it was not a formal like they were not three-piece suits and wingtips and they were not enforcing this a lot of these controversies seem to be about like the fact that fide the you know the FIFA of chess um, just doesn't enforce things equally at all. And so she was, she was given this fine and also told that she would get kicked out of the tournament. And she was like, I literally don't have any other shoes. And also I can't leave because my next round is about to start. So I guess I'm just going to get fined and maybe forfeited. She did um, actually get fined. It looks yeah. like, I don't know and if they eventually fined. reversed it, but they give, they issued euros. her a 100 Euro fine uh, and uh, said that if you do it again, then you may uh, not be included in the pairings for the next round. So you might get bopped out of the tournament, it sounds like. Yeah. Like, uh, well, I think maybe it's been on this podcast. Maybe it's been in other uh, non-podcasted conversations. But like, I think there's a pretty stark history of sexism in chess. Uh, oh, and yeah. Jake, I think that you've I probably... I mean, still. Yeah, gone on about that. Well, right. And so, like, history doesn't change very quickly, uh, especially when it's in a hyper male dominated field like chess is. Uh, and, and all this information comes from me watching uh, the Netflix show with a, a woman yeah. who was good at chess. Uh, and what? Uh, Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit. That's the one. Yeah. And then listening to you talk about chess, Jake, because yeah. you're, my, you're my chess exposure. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, ch- I'm the chess guy. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's. It is not surprising based on what I've been told about the chess world that this would be a pretty sexist thing. And hey, what do you know? Turns out it's sexist. Uh, and uh, Anna, Anna Maya, I guess that, that's probably how you say it, yeah, Ms. Kazarian, so. uh, she uh, you know, makes it very clear to them that they're not sports shoes. Uh, no, they are Burberry sneakers also. Yeah. Uh, so hey, was, look at you. Good I was, job. Look at me recognizing <laughs> yeah. things. All right. Uh, I don't know how to feel about this. Uh, so in any event, I think this is really stupid. This makes me mad yeah. and I want to go pick it a chess tournament. I don't know where to find one though. Like, like you would find US chess is a mess. FIDE is a mess. Everybody's a mess. And like, not just, not just on sexism issues, which it like, the thing about sexism is in chess is yes, it's so male dominant dominated. They don't want it to be. They most people don't want it to be. Some people are like, yeah, like we don't care. Right. Uh, stop making. You know, it's like a, a, like a lot of different like sports slash competition things in the world where like not, but chess is especially bad in that they're 
female playing female competition sphere is so underdeveloped because there were so few women in chess for so long. Now there are some, but it's still way like even amongst young people, it's like 90, 10, whereas right. before it was like 98, two uh, in terms and things of like this percentage. reinforce that. Right. Yeah, and obviously. Right. Because like, sure. you, why would you want to get involved in this? The other the, the, as if you're a f- potential female you know, yeah. chess player. Um, the other thing I think is that I, I've thought about this in other contexts. I think the concept of um, selective enforcement is yeah. a very difficult thing for people to like self-assess. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm not defending anybody here by any means. But I imagine the person that uh, made the claim, the initial claim, whatever it said, there's something wrong with your shoes, probably does not view themselves as being sexist. They are the way they would defend themselves. I'm assuming I, again, I don't know. Maybe this is a monster. I, mean, I would do the same anyway. thing if it were a man wearing yeah. these shoes. Yes, exactly. But I have just not, I, they have not noticed that they don't bother checking the shoes of anyone else. You've been staring friend, at the arbiter person. was actually a woman in this case. My friend, you have discovered the world. Yeah, I know. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. It, yeah. What's that? Sorry. You have discovered the world of employment yeah. discrimination. Right, right, exactly. Litigation. Yeah. Like, it's very difficult is... to convince that person that, no, no, I, I understand what you're saying, that you're reading me the rule over and over again. What I'm saying to you is that you never even checked the rule until this person showed up. And then all of a sudden you became very interested. Yeah. I'm not saying the person didn't maybe violate the letter of the law or the rule. It's that so did everybody else. And you've never even bothered to look at that. And I think that is like the the last Maybe not the last, but it's one of the last bastions of sexism, of racism, of phobias of all sort. Right? It's that people can hide behind feeling like they're not bad people. They don't. They don't think that there should be no women in chess. They don't think that women should be held to different standards than men uh, in chess by any means. It's just that uh, they don't notice that they're only looking at. They're only going over with a fine tooth comb. Um, you know, in this case, women chess players, not male chess players, or whatever. Yeah, I think anyway. So, like, even if the powers that be were totally neutral and you know not sexist at all everything was cool all, all the arbiters all the like amateur people that actually run these tournaments because that's you know one right. of the things about chess tournaments is that you know they're often run by amateurs because it's not it's not like a spectator sport where people are getting paid to do this right at least not very often um is that just the players themselves like if you're a woman going to these tournaments because of how male dominated it is, it's like really screwed up. Like you've had, um, uh, uh, so Lula Roberts, who's like a, a chess streamer played in Iceland and she, and she beat a guy at chess and he got so mad. He knocked over all the pieces and stormed off and then later found her at a bar and put her in like a headlock. Uh, Whoa. so that, so that was just like one of the most yeah. famous incidents. Um, there's a, another, uh, famous chess streamer. I can't remember. Oh, uh, Anna Kramling, um, who's one of the most famous chess streamers out there. And she's, uh, she's like in her twenties or something. And she talked about how, when she was a teenager and she's, she's, I think, a uh, WIM, um, when she was a teenager, uh, like she would go to tournaments and the guys would like like more often than not come on to her, even when she was like 15, 16 older guys would come on to her at the chess tournament after like every game. Awesome. Uh, And it's just like, that's the environment they're playing in. I can't imagine Um, why it's 90, 10. Why wouldn't women be flocking to that sort of. Mm -hmm. So like, even like, even with a powers that be that were totally supportive and all that, it would just be a, you know, yeah, it's a rough situation. The players themselves are 
maybe yes. most of the problem. And so obviously, they're uh, if they're willing to act like that, they are not uh, clamoring for a change in enforcement for rules to be more <laughs> to be uh, amended or changed or or enforced more equally or anything like that. No, no, I'm Yikes. I'm sure they're not. A lot of drama in mm. chess. I had no idea. I there thought, is. Uh, I, yeah, it is weird. <laughs> I thought once the the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, all the the you know the chess drama was over. No, wasn't no. that a big chess, deal? Russians still love chess. Okay. Russians are yeah. still awesome at it. Now in, India is come. In, India is going to dominate soon. Everything. Yeah, manufacturing okay. Yes. <laughs> okay you guys want to move on to i mean I, I, we're at 51 minutes what do you think are we in recommendationville yeah. i think we're, we're in recommendation sure. i don't i don't that have any follow-ups other than the joke follow-up about um uh you know sam altman i would oh, have yeah, sworn that up i would have sworn that was a coordinated attack on me no sorry. <laughs> it was not a coordinated attack it really i mean it, so he came back and I, just to, to like put a cap on the follow-up there is no real follow-up right he came back and yeah. then Crickets. It all kind of just died oh, yeah, well, down. That was it. Yeah, never mind. They're going to have a new board eventually with nine yeah. people instead of five, and they they have a mini board choosing the new board right now. Right. Um, yeah, right. uh, but I mean, the, it, there was all that talk of like this could be the end. Like Chat, uh, uh, yeah. OpenAI and GPT four was the the pinnacle of AI. They're the leader by a, a you know million miles. Microsoft is partnering with them. All that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, this could be the end of them. This could be it. This could be the biggest disaster that in the history of of tech uh, news yeah. stories, or whatever. And then they reinstate them, and it was just okay. Never mind. Well, this, I, the, I, st- the story of the fallout is far from written. I mean, we don't yeah. know what it's going to look like in a year, two, five, ten. Like, yeah, because they had like a pretty galloping head start in uh, in front of everybody else, such that. Uh, Google was rushing to catch up. Apple might be hurrying to catch up. Like nobody had anything that was close to this product yet. And uh, like what sort of inertia did they lose? How much uh, catching up are people going to do? How much distrust is such that partners no longer look to them, but instead we're going to look to somebody else. So that story is yet to be told, the the ultimate effects of it. But like the immediate corporate effects of, yep, Sam's back. All right, Right. great. Life goes on as usual, right? It might actually be the opposite where like people are suddenly like the the open AI team seems to be like energized or seem to be energized when when Sam came back. And also Microsoft seems to be more in control of open AI, even if they don't still don't have a board seat. And I think that that all that hubbub around Microsoft, because EU is now looking into whether or not there needs to be antitrust uh, examination of Microsoft's deal with OpenAI, even Get though them. they don't own, even though they don't control the nonprofit and they don't own a majority of the uh, of the for profit entity. Um, I think that's. I mean, the whole world is going to have to head in that direction at some point because you saw the sort of exertion they have or the power they the leverage they have over OpenAI without having technically a seat at yeah. the table. Right. And so that can't continue to be the loophole, right? Well, we'll just build you to where you're literally using our servers, you're operating using like our our script in our factory. And yeah, technically we don't have an actual say, but I, mean, I don't know how you're going to keep doing this when you've built this whole thing on the Azure on network us, on the yeah. Azure mm-hmm. servers and stuff. You know what I mean? And if I you think, and if you get out of line, we'll just hire your entire team. We'll hire your entire team and when and we have the servers that have all the data. Like they're yeah. literally already in our data set. <laughs> right? So it, it it's game over. And, and you take all the, the co- potential copyright infringement issues with OpenAI. But I agree with your yeah. point, um, Jake. I, I think that 
the scuttlebutt seems to be that Altman was opposed to uh, uh, you know pedal to the metal profitability, just accelerate this whole thing. He was, um, I'm sorry, he was for that. Yeah, he was the, uh, he other was the members, profit guy. Yeah, he was the profit guy. Other members were, were less inclined to do that. Um, he was ousted in furtherance of like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. And then his return is, I would imagine. Yeah. He's now unassailable. He right. is now. What are you going to do, fire me again? Yeah. You saw what like, happened. Yeah, you, you can't fire him. No, I'll unless, be unless he does something terrible. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. What's sorry. the uh, what's the saying? Uh, you come after the king, you best yeah. not miss. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. That's what they're wire. doing with with. Uh, we should have talked about Trump. You talked about it before. Or did you? We, did we open with that? Or was that before we were recording, Jake? Did, I was re- I was ready to to go uh, hot topic here uh, and uh, kind of swap in. Uh, what do you guys think about legal take? What do you guys think about the uh, <laughs> Colorado case that's been granted certiorari to go up to the United States oh. Supreme Court? Because I think that one's really interesting. And uh, ordinarily, I would say the Supreme Court tends to be pretty favorable to Trump. By the way, we totally just decided that we were going to move on to recommendations and I hijacked it. That's, no, it's fine. Uh, yeah. So for I started feeling despair of, oh, well, the Supreme Court is totally going to intervene and say that Colorado doesn't have the say over its ballot. You can't you know exclude uh, a major party nominee from the ballot because your state statute says you can't. But with all the stuff that the uh, United States Supreme Court has been doing about decisions about voting being, uh, delegated to the states being things that are within the state legislature's uh, boundaries of authority. Like in that situation, I kind of think that there's a pretty decent shot that this Supreme Court is going to come down and say, well, the state says you can't be on the ballot. They're the ones who are in charge of holding their elections. And it's not even a real election. It's a primary election, which is like this goofy public-private yeah. partnership. And so yeah. I think there's a pretty solid chance that they come down and say states get to decide how elections are run. Well, I think part I think, of that is also because Colorado is not really in play, right? So it's it's a pretty low stakes. Yeah, them and issue. What, was it Maine, the other state where yeah. he's off? Have Michigan try the same thing? And yeah. I wonder if they don't come around, if they still think states' rights are so important. It, it's definitely something where I'd like them to decide now the 14th Amendment thing, because I don't want this to have to be a big deal in the in middle the general. of of yeah of july or august when people are like starting to vote uh and early voting and absentee voting there's i don't think do you think there's any way they do that though they take that up i i think they should i think they gotta eventually it's a it's a question yeah Um, it's part and parcel with the colorado case where like i think they have to weigh in on that in the colorado case unless they just punt it and say like uh, we granted certiorari to say that we're not going to intervene in this and states control their elections, which I don't think that they're going to do. Uh, but I don't know. I'm I'm talking yeah. out of both sides of my mouth here. Uh, but I don't I think recall. That, do y'all remember? I don't remember my con law too that well when it comes to there was a um, there were white primary cases uh, where basically black people were excluded from the ballot by because political parties were deciding their candidates through whites only primaries, which were mm. considered pri- private. Like uh, Nixon right. v. Herndon, I think was one of them, right? That seems maybe. To, no, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Misconstruing things. But I, okay. I just remember them being referred to as the white primary cases. And eventually, basically, you couldn't have a racially exclusionary party primary, if I remember correctly. 
Yeah, but um, the Supreme Court doesn't care about precedent. So <laughs> what do you do with that? They need to uh, Google white primaries. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's uh, Nixon v. Condon. Yeah. In any event, I'm interested to see what they do, and I'm also interested to see the timeline on which they handle it because they're picking up case at granting certiorari on these cases. But typically, the big deluge of decisions that we see would come out in June uh, of the following year, uh, which is like there's that what week long, two week long, multi week long span where like the majority of the Supreme Court decisions get handed down. And so everybody's getting their hot news out during that time period. Like if they hold off on deciding this until that point, then uh, the primaries are over and we're well into right the and we'd be going into the uh, conventions pretty soon after that. I think most of the conventions are in July, June or July. I think Uh, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so, like, we basically, by the time a decision could theoretically come down in June, the primaries are over. We're heading towards the convention. Uh, are you going to announce right before the convention that uh, the guy who was uh, the winner of the majority of the primaries and is the nominee uh, can't run? Because that'll make because they that, take they take up the fourteen uh, the the insurrection thing and and yeah and maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? If anything in the if anything in the entire world is going to get me to watch the Republican National Convention, it's going to be that. That would be fun. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And he might be in jail during that time. It's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, these trials are coming up, and they're not getting delayed. Right. Uh, We've talked about this before. Like, does anyone on this podcast think that he ever sees the inside of a cell? uh, Worst case. I think there's a very good chance that he does. Really? I think Mar-a-Lago uh, house arrest, like worst case scenario, he's stuck like, sitting in one of these. He gets, these, he's co- he gets convicted on one of these four cases. Uh, he's moving to Moscow. Like, yeah, maybe how that's does that, it. How does that functionally work, though? Like, how do you put a former president with a secu- social, uh, social security, with a, um, a secret <laughs> service, <laughs> with social security checks, with a secret service detail in prison? Like what? Yeah. What, what do you? What does that I mean? You're gonna build another wing and just have them hanging out like Al Capone we'll find, in one we'll of those uh, wingback chairs? I mean, are they, ma- is there more? There are two. Are there two federal or three federal cases? Is there any state case other than the Georgia case? Hmm. I don't know. I don't I remember. I follow, are there? I haven't been following it that closely. Yeah. That part of it, but uh, I I don't I don't think as a practical matter there's very high likelihood. I think that there's a decent likelihood of a conviction. Yeah. But actual incarcerated in a federal or state prison uh i don't know i think we come up with something special for the you know i I don't know how the federal system works uh but my experience in the state system is once you're convicted and your uh and your sentence is looking like a custodial sentence you will be sentenced to prison then they take you into custody immediately pending sentencing yeah um so if they want we'll to send see. him to Terre Haute, if they want to send him to Terre Haute, I imagine that uh, that would basically make that would be the best thing to, to happen to Terre Haute uh, tourism uh, in a very, very, very long time. There's oh, a federal that, penitentiary oh, yeah. in Terre Haute. <laughs> oh, there, okay. There will be oh, okay. there will gotcha. be festivals held outside of the prison. Oh, oh it'll yeah. be a hot mess. Yeah, that'd be. Uh, I'll tell you what. I, I'd like it to happen just to see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just you saying that the festival's outside. I thought the other day about remember when he got COVID, that was a wild night, I right? Like watch mm-hmm. when the helicopter landed, and then he remember when he took the tour around with the limo, and he did the little hand out the window waving like uh, uh, Elliot yeah. and ET. They would be that all the time. 
It would be and that all the up, time from the prison. Yeah. And he got up those steps and was like gasping for air. <laughs> yeah. Whoever, oh, I still man. say, whoever stopped him from doing the thing where he came out of the hospital and he wanted to tear his shirt open and have a Superman uh, shirt on underneath That's should be funny. charged and tried and convicted and, and sent to prison. <laughs> like no one should have interfered with that. That's that the real insurrection deprived. right there. Exactly. Yes. January 6th was nothing compared to stopping him from doing that. Oh, oh mercy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, fellas. Uh, make me some recommendations. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. There have been no uh, no cancel-worthy no. topics here unless... <laughs> Certainly not. You know, listener is a, a diehard MAGA, and they've tuned out long ago. So Absolutely, yeah. All right. Make okay, me a recommendation. So, Andrew, you go first. Sure. I have a very simple one. Uh, I recently renewed my Audible subscription and found that they have a lot of uh, Great Courses Plus uh content on there now that is just like you don't have to use your credit you just have access to it if you have an audible subscription tons of them are great the one i recommend is uh bach and the baroque period very good they have little interstitials of actual music and then talk about Mm. why it's significant why it's interesting but generally speaking great courses all really interesting good things to listen to on commutes and such uh when uh especially now heading into 2024 where a lot of podcasts are going to be if you listen to like current events podcasts, news podcasts, save in this podcast, there's going to be a lot of talk about Trump. You're going to get sick of it. You're going to want to listen to something else. <laughs> this is a great thing. It's hundreds of years old. Uh, there's nothing modern about it. I don't listen to news podcasts unless it's now I've given them up to. Yeah. Uh, unless it's like pop culture news. Yeah. Only the Especially least serious stuff year. for me. I get enough serious stuff by uh, by accident. I'm still subscribed mm. to the daily, but uh, day after day, I look at the episode, look at the topic, and yeah. go, nah, I'm good. No, that I'm sounds. Uh, yeah, I get yeah, enough of a bummer. Else. Yeah. In my all right, my that's my recommendation. Life. Great courses. Uh, who has a who has more? Who has a better one? Uh, the boy Jake and the Scott heron. One. The the boy and the heron. The movie. The Miyazaki movie. I don't know if he. What's y'all's experience with how you, with the Miyazaki movies? Have y'all watched them? Nothing. Zero. 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 Zero? No, zero. Oh ever. my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well then I am told. I am told that I should watch, you know, my yeah. my whatever Totoro and like my, my Princess Mononoke and my my neighbor no, Totoro, it's not Totoro my is neighbor? the best. My neighbor? Yeah. My neighbor Totoro is the best kids movie. Like I my kid has watched it a hundred times and I could watch it a hundred more. It's so like it's perfect. Um Jake, the, Encanto. Uh, Encanto. No, you're putting it up not, against in content. You can get sick of those. You can get sick of those songs. My neighbor Totoro is just like pure no. childhood. Um, okay. Uh, there's a Spirited Away is and like the one that's and generally it's considered safer, the best one. It's safe for children, right? Yes, my neighbor Totoro is safe for okay. safe for small kids too. It's not scary at all. Okay. Okay. Uh, my right. kid watched it, it when he's like one of his favorite movies since he was like three or four. Um, yeah, but the boy and the heron just came out. So this is like advanced Miyazaki though. It's like, uh, you need to know what you're getting into, which is this man does not follow the rules of making movies. He does not. There were like many times in this point in this movie where I was like, are they going to try to explain what's going on? And he was like, no, no, there's not going to be the main character is not going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to me. Main character is just going to take it and is not going to like complain. He's just going to like understand what's happening and go. And it doesn't demand that you understand what's happening at all. It just, it just asks that you bathe in what's going on. It's like, uh, this movie was, is, um, it's about a boy who's, uh, in 
Well, it's this is a mature movie. It's not a kid's movie. A boy whose mother dies in a World War II firebombing. And okay. he moves. <laughs> yes. Wow. Uh, and he moves up like out of Tokyo with his dad to meet his new his new mom, uh, his mom, his original mom's sister. So the, the dad's marrying his marrying his aunt. Okay. Um, and he's moving, okay. uh, moving into a house with her. It's got a very feel old, great about this. It's got a very Old Testament kinsman redeemer vibe. Yeah, it does. And is this firebombing a United States? Uh, uh... Ostensibly. Okay. So you never see the United Japan? States or it's, you know, it's, it's all portrayed from the eyes of a child, which is all of a sudden everything's on fire and your mom is in a burning building. Mm. Um, America. Not great. Yeah. America. <laughs> not great. Um, okay. But then he gets to this house and this heron just starts harassing him. And he's like, go yeah. the hell away. And then a bunch of magical stuff happens. Magic, 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 magic. And then at the end, I was like blubbering from being from the emotions of it. Um, mm. I so wouldn't recommend say, it as your first Miyazaki movie, though. Okay, that was my question. Is it? Is it like? Is there a soft prerequisite that you have seen some other Miyazaki movie before? I, you? I would say so, just so that you understand. Like, there were so many points in this movie where I was like, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm okay with it. Mm. Um, and like, if you expect a normal movie cadence out of this, you might it, it might feel weird to you. But Miyazaki so, doesn't work in normal movie cadences, and that's one of the reasons why I loved it, which is. Which is it was so disposed of the ordinary like chores you have to do when you're doing a movie, like right. so so much of so much dialogue in movies these days. I feel like is kind of predictable. It's like, like exposition. Even if it's good, it is like oh well, they have to say this now. They have to talk about this now. You know, right. when you go through the magic portal, you have to talk about how you just went through the magic portal. Where am I? Oh, what's this place? It's like this movie does none of that. It's like, oh, you go through the magic portal and then you're just like, okay. And then the main character silently tries to calculate what what to do with these with these birds that are harassing him. My favorite uh, of what you're describing is I don't know if you remember this. It's you, I think everybody here is a Star Wars head, so you probably will remember it. I think the first spoken dialogue in Return of the Jedi is C-3PO saying, "Look, it's Han Solo, and he's still frozen in in carbonite." And it's the most like just <laughs> oh, to lay just out so the you whole remember. thing. Yeah, just so you know what that that thing is that Java has hung on the wall. In case you're just wondering why everybody's upset about the art. Yeah, when we last <laughs> saw our heroes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's basically the, it's it's the most because George Lucas can't write dialogue, right? So yeah. what you're saying is it's the antithesis of that, right? It's yeah. not that at all. It okay. is it is so little dialogue, and like such it packs such emotion into this little amount of dialogue if you're willing to go along with them. Okay. Um, and it's streamed. Like how do you how do you watch? It's it? in theaters. Oh. Well, I'm yeah. not going to do that. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all the Miyazaki movies are on uh, Max. So oh, okay. um, great. If you want to watch it, Get if you want to watch one, Get if you want to dive straight into the if you want to dive straight into like the one that most people consider like the best one or whatever, you'd probably right. want to watch Spirited Away. Spirited okay. Away. Or right, totally. Yeah. Spirited Away is like it's a book for a book, a movie for more young adults, but also adults like it. So cool. adults I heard it. I heard more apologizing for your recommendation than actual recommending in that whole oh, yeah. recommendation. No, yeah, so, no. If yeah. you've never watched the Miyazaki Miyazaki movie, watch Spirited Away. Okay. Uh, if you Speaking have watched of, the Miyazaki movie, watch The Boy and the Heron. 
Speaking of apologizing for your recommendations, I'm going to apologize to those people who are uh, observing dry January with making a beverage recommendation. Uh, so our household beverage for years has been the peach mule. I'm going to tell you some secrets about the peach mule and extol to you its virtue. It is okay. peach vodka. Most specifically, the best that I have found is uh, Deep Eddie's peach vodka. I don't like the name Deep Eddie's, but whatever. Uh, and it's from Texas, get from name? Austin. And all the trendy stuff seems to be from Austin, Texas these days. Deep Eddie's is included in that. So Deep Eddie's peach vodka. Uh, you can either use all of, you can use that exclusively for your alcohol content, or you can mix it half and half with Captain Morgan, which I tend to do. Uh, gives it a nice extra spice, ginger beer and a lime. Uh, this is a delightful, delicious beverage at all times of year, but especially, uh, during the spring and summer, but it is the Ramsland family signature beverage. When we entertain guests, that is our Oh, do you want something? Oh, yeah. What do you pick? Well, we like this. And universal hit. Everybody who's tried it has loved it. Strong recommend. Okay. Sounds I, very good. I, Peach Mule. I love Peach a mule. mule. Love there a mule. There you go. Yeah. Oh, you didn't and play I love, the, you didn't play I the love march. you, Jake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> good night, everybody. Oh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Years.